Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. My dear Christian friends, Naaman is a commander of Aram's army. He is a powerful soldier, and he is well-respected by the king. But he has a problem. It's a big problem. He has leprosy. But he has an even bigger problem than that. He is also a pagan. He is an unbeliever. In his house, Naaman has a young servant girl that had been taken from the nation of Israel. And this little servant girl says, Master, you have leprosy, but it's no big deal. My God, the true God, can heal it. You just need to go and see his prophet in Samaria. And so Naaman packs up and he takes his servants and he goes to the prophet Elisha's home. But Elisha doesn't even come out and speak in person. Instead, he sends out a messenger who says to him, Go and wash seven times in the Jordan. Then your flesh will be restored and you will be clean. And how does Naaman react to these directions of health and healing? He is ticked off. He expected the prophet Elisha to come out of his home to raise his hands and make a spectacle and calling on the Lord and then waving his hand over his body to cure him of his leprosy. He doesn't want to go and wash seven times in the shallow, dirty, muddy Jordan River. He would much rather go to the rivers of Damascus, of Abana and Parfar. He asks out loud, why can't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he goes away in a burning rage. Now, Naaman could certainly have gone and washed himself in the Abana and Parfar rivers of Damascus. But there was one thing missing in those rivers. Elisha said that the word of God was only connected to the waters of the Jordan River. Naaman's servants convince him to at least try the prophet's directions. So I want you to picture Naaman pouting and still belligerent in his burning rage. Fine, I'll try it. And then he stomps down into the Jordan River and he gets into the water and he comes up one. Then he goes again, down again. He comes up two. See, nothing's happening. He goes down again three and he's trying to prove to his servants that this is all nonsense. And he comes up under the seventh time, see, oh, because now when he comes up after the seventh dip, he is no longer a leper. Even better than that, he is no longer a pagan. He is now a believer in the true God. His conversion is immediate and it is radical. He goes from death to life. And the only way this happens is through baptism as he is raised to a new life in Christ. Naaman was buried under the waters of the Jordan River. His old leprous skin fell, fell off. His previous sinful flesh was peeled away. He was reborn with new skin, even more than that, he was regenerated with a new heart. Then his flesh was restored like the flesh of a small child, and he was clean. 
And Naaman rushes to the home of the prophet and he confesses his baptismal faith with these creedal words. Now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. And then the first thing that Naaman does after he confesses his newfound faith is he wants to show that faith in his godly actions. So he asks Elisha if he can take two wagon loads of Israeli dirt back to his home country so he can set up an altar to the true God. And he also confesses to the Lord that there are going to be times in his official capacities as a commander of Aram's army, as he has the king on his side, that he's going to have to do things that are in conflict with his faith. But when the king worships these pagan gods, he wants God to know he is not going to be worshiping these gods. Now, if that is not a picture of being buried through baptism, I don't know what is. The word of the Lord was connected to the waters of the Jordan River, and Naaman came out of that water with both the skin and the faith of a little child. Remember, Jesus once said, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. The Naaman who walked into the Jordan River was far different than the one who walked out. And the same is true for us who have been baptized. We are different after our baptism. The problem is that we wake up every morning with the same deadly disease of sin connected to us. The leprosy of our sin is so pervasive that it keeps coming back again and again. Think about it. That you confess your sins privately in the morning when you walk out of the bedroom and yell at your kids. We spend time reading and listening to God's word but then we spend even more time watching TV shows and listening to music that is filled with the devil's words. We work so hard to season our speech with salt when we are face-to-face with other people, but then we let the filth fly when we feel we are anonymous on social media. We carefully protect our own reputation, but think nothing of destroying the reputation of others. That's the exact same thing that St. Paul was writing to the Christians in Rome about in chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we keep on sinning so that grace may increase? Absolutely not. Well, why not? We died to sin. How can we go on living in it any longer? You're dead to me. Why would you want to hang out with a person who said those words to you? That person who said you're dead to me is manipulative and abusive. And Sally, I've known women who have gone back into those kinds of relationships and it never turns out well. They're ending up hurting themselves. But the same is true for us with our relationship to sin. We keep going back. At your baptism, sin said to you, you're dead to me. So why would you want to go back to sin when it considers you dead? But you do. Why? 
Paul tells us why. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So if you keep going back to sin, which is abusive and manipulative in its relationship with you, then it's either because you are ignorant or you are purposely rejecting your Savior, Jesus Christ. So then, how do we break out of this abusive and manipulative relationship with sin? Paul says, we were therefore buried with him by this baptism into death, so that just as he was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too would also walk in a new life. That whenever we feel like we are being driven towards sin, we need to pray to the Holy Spirit to drive us back to our baptism. Because baptism is not just a one-time event that happened years or decades ago for you when you were an infant. Baptism connects you to Christ Jesus in his death. In baptism, a new identity is given to you. Like Naaman, that we are different than what we once were. Last week, you heard Pastor Leitonen say in his sermon that baptism equals Jesus. And when I heard him say that, listening to the podcast of the sermon, I immediately thought of our new logo for Water of Life. The inside of the shield is the cross, and underneath is the drop of water of baptism. That when we and anyone see that, you have to see baptism equals Jesus. And by the grace of God, next Sunday we're going to be baptizing three children from our grade school as they are connected to Christ's church and to the blessings of baptism through that water of life at the font. We were baptized into Christ's crucifixion. Roman crucifixions were reserved for the worst of criminals. And we each have the worst of criminals residing within ourselves It is our sinful nature, our old Adam. But the waters of baptism kill our old Adam. They nail it to Christ's cross. That all of our apathy, misplaced priorities, lusts, filthy speech are spread out on the cross and we put them to death. We bury our old self in the watery grave of baptism. Because, you see, we cannot reform our sinful nature. We cannot improve our old Adam. We cannot fix what is broken inside of us. The only way for us to become better and more sanctified in our Christian living is to keep on going to the waters of baptism where we take our old Adam and we deny it, we crucify it, we kill it, we bury it in the water. That happens daily when you remember your baptism, when you confess your sins in worship like we did this morning. It happens when you confess your sins privately at home and when you end your day asking God to take away all that you've done wrong that day. Then it is as if the Holy Spirit is taking the waters of baptism and pouring them once again over your head, washing you clean of your daily dirty sins. You are drowning your old Adam in your baptismal waters. The only problem is that your old Adam is a very good swimmer, and he keeps coming back again and again. 
And that's why you need to keep denying, crucifying, killing, drowning, and burying your old Adam in the baptismal font. Paul says, Therefore we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. So just as Christ rose from the dead and was living a new life, so now we have died to sin and we are living a new life in Christ. We do not have to go back to our old life of sin. We are given a new life where we are connected to God's power, grace, love, and forgiveness. We are like Naaman, pagan, converted to believer, selfish, and now being generous, a warrior for our nation, and now being made into a soldier for Christ. For we know their old self was crucified with him so that a body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin since a person who has died is freed from sin. Bury your old Adam in your baptismal waters and the way you do this is by confession and absolution. Then your sinful nature is killed and you no longer want to do what your sinful nature wants you to do. Instead, you've died to sin and you are alive in Christ and you want to live for Christ. There's a story about a slave girl who, a slave girl who was put up for auction she was very weak, but also very beautiful. And so the price of the auction kept going up and up. In fact, that price for her that day was the highest. And the person who bid on her bid twice as much as the second highest bid. When the lady went to the clerk to receive the bill of sale, she looked at it. And where it said, new owner, it then had Four letters, all in capital. F-R-E-E. -E. Free. When it dawned on her what had happened, she ran back to the clerk and demanded, where is the man who purchased me? Where is the one who bought my freedom? I want to thank him. I want to thank him by serving him for the rest of my life. You see, Satan used to own us. And... Why would we want to keep running back to such an abusive master? We have been set free from the slavery to sin and Satan. Death no longer has any mastery over us. Now we lovingly and willingly want to serve our new master, but not as slaves, but now as servants. The man Christ Jesus has set us free. We want to serve him with the rest of our lives. Now if we died to sin, and now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all time, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So fellow baptized believers, what does this mean for you today? When you're tempted, you no longer have to sin because you are no longer a slave to sin or Satan. So why go back to them? You get to serve Christ. Why go back to death? 
You've already died to sin. Your old Adam was drowned in the baptismal waters. You are alive. And why go looking for more other and exciting places? Yes, the water in the font seems rather humble and simple and boring. But this is where God has chosen to connect his word with the water creating baptism. Through baptism, now you are able to make your confirmation vows of being faithful, even to the point of death, because you've already died to sin, and now you are alive in Christ. Amen.